0: mm Everybody doing? Enjoying your Labor Day weekend? Ready to get everyone back to school and getting all set. Uh, Speaking of back to school, this is also our back to school weekend. And so this is just where we, you know, we just want to acknowledge uh, teachers and students that are going to be going back to school. And we just want to be able to to pray for you, to, to be able to send you off on the right foot. So if you are a teacher or a student, Uh, that is going back to school, would you please stand so that I can pray for you? All right, let's give them a round of applause. Send them off. I just want to say, you know, we as a church just really hope that you guys have an amazing year. Uh, and just believing that God wants to do uh, something incredible, that this will be the best year yet. So let me pray for you. God, I just thank you so much for these teachers and these students that are just about to embark on a brand new school year. I just pray, Lord, that you will go before them, uh, that you will empower them to just be able to make this the best year yet, just full of your purposes, your will. Um, So, God, I do. I just pray that your anointing and your presence will be upon them, and this will be the best year yet. We love you. And we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. So we've actually been in this Back to School series. This is the last uh, weekend. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I thought this has been a phenomenal series. You know, we've been in Ephesians 4, 4-7, and it's all been based off of the, the fact that, that we believe in one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and, and we are unified as one around this belief and it is this belief in Christ and acknowledging him as Lord above all that actually compels us to praise him and to worship him. And so that's really what we're going to talk here this morning is really worship and uh, you know I want to start off our time together by defining what exactly worship is and and I believe that God is longing for us as the body of believers at Salem Fields Community Church to really grasp a hold of this. You know, I believe that if we passionately and radically worship Jesus with our entire lives, God will respond so loudly. Now, A.W. Tozer once said, worship is to feel in your heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but delightful sense of admiring awe and astonished wonder and overpowering love in the presence of Of that most ancient mystery, that majesty which philosophers call the first cause, but which we call our Father, which art in heaven. True worship, worship that is pleasing to God, radiates throughout a person's entire life. When a person yielding to God and believing the truth of God is filled with the Spirit of God, even his faintest whisper will be worship. Tozer is very poetically describing what true worship looks like. And it comes down to this simple picture. Comes down to the heart. Worship starts in the heart. You know, this whole series has been based out of Ephesians, and in this same letter, in chapter 5, verse 19, Paul expresses what we are to do as the body of believers. I'm going to start with part of verse 18. um, But it says, But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, we will pull a few things from this verse, but I want us to focus on that last line. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You see, what we can conclude from this line is that praise to the Lord flows from our hearts. It starts here. It's the engine. It's what propels our praise, our songs, our surrender to go forth. The singing and the melodies that we make to the Lord are a byproduct of what is taking place here. Think about it this way. Our praise that we offer our loved ones, the I love yous, the you're amazings, the I'm proud of yous, these are words of praise, but they aren't just words. They are expressions of what is being produced from our hearts. The words are just an overflow. But here's the hard truth. We can praise God with our lips. We can sing songs. We can say, God, I love you. We can say, God, I praise you. But our hearts be far from him. You know, God says this very thing in the Old Testament to the prophet Isaiah, stating that the Israelites at that time were indeed praising him with their lips, but their worship was merely based on human rules and what they had been taught. Or another way to put it, it was that they were worshiping out of their religion instead of out of their hearts. Worship to them was simply a religious ritual, a part of the checklist of following God. Now, it's thousands of years later. And I'm afraid that many of us still do this very thing. You know, I fear that, that we come to church, that we treat worship like it's just the first 20 minutes of service where we sing songs about Jesus and check it off our list and go about our week just to come back the following week and do the same thing and we just keep this cycle going without ever truly engaging our hearts in worship. And you see, just like Tozer stated, true worship, radiates throughout a person's entire life it's not about lip service it's not about going through the motions it's not about singing along to songs while we are entertained by musicians worship isn't about whether we liked a song or not you know it it isn't about whether the song's too fast or too slow whether the music is too loud or too quiet worship is about lifting up the name of Jesus Not through compulsion or religious rituals, but because he is praiseworthy by nature. Worshiping with our whole hearts, the only one who is worthy to be praised. Look, we have to get this. You see, there's no point in moving on in this message unless we understand that worship starts in the heart. You know, just like the last song we sang, the heart of worship, the heart. Say it with me, the heart The heart of worship is all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about religion. It's about praising Jesus from a humbled and surrendered posture within our hearts. So if worship of God, true worship of God, is an overflow of my heart, then worship should bleed into every area of my life, right? you know that would mean that if Jesus is truly the lord of my heart then I'm worshipping him I'm elevating him above everything else in my life I'm not just lifting him up when I sing in church I'm worshipping him in how I live and how I love in the choices that I make the things that I pursue every single thing that I do you know how many of us have heard the expression worship is a lifestyle you know it's true you see worship can't just be a component of our lives but it has to be our life. But it can't just be any worship. It has to be the worship of Jesus Christ and him alone. Because how many of us know that we all worship something every day, whether we realize it or not? And it brings me to my next point. The destination and the purpose has to be God. The destination and the purpose of my worship has to be God. You see, worship is in our DNA. Since the very beginning, God created us to worship him. And throughout time, there has been a war for our worship. And the enemy doesn't care what we worship as long as it's not Jesus. Remember, the enemy is at war with you to keep you from fulfilling your God-given purpose. And that is to be in relationship with your creator and to glorify the name of Jesus. You see, this is why he is so at war with our worship. The enemy wants to take what is naturally in us and direct it towards something else. Because you see, since we were made to worship, we will naturally worship. And if we are not worshiping God, we're surely worshiping something else. So maybe you are worshiping success. Maybe you are worshiping power, wealth, or even yourself. Because you see, whatever exalts itself above God in our lives must be cast down. And we must elevate God to the throne of our hearts. You know, I want us to read a portion of this beautiful psalm by King David. It's Psalm 96, and there are a few things I want us to notice in this psalm. It's not on the, the screens, but, but I'll read it. And it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations His marvelous works among the peoples, for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. You see, the destination of our worship and the purpose of our worship has to be God. And King David is writing this psalm with this understanding that God alone is worthy of our praise and worship. That we are to magnify him with our whole hearts. And he says these people that direct their worship towards power, towards wealth, towards success, towards anything in their lives that that they believe is what is going to satisfy them, that they believe is what they are living for, it's worthless. Our worship should be reserved for our God, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, God doesn't respond to our worship of anything other than himself. God responds when we worship and magnify him. God, God draws near to us when we draw near to him. That's why the destination and the purpose of our worship has to be God and God alone. Look, I know this is a heavy start to the message. But in order for us to become true worshipers and to, to move into the practical part of this message, you know, we have to get our hearts right. This isn't a message to condemn. It, it, it's to help us correct some flaws in our thinking and our understanding of what worship is so that we can change and walk in the fullness of worshiping our great God. So just really quick, I just want us to ask ourselves, uh, and ask God to, to search us and to just show us anything that we need to correct in our thinking or in our heart and invite the Holy Spirit to just come and lead us into a proper mindset as we enter into this next phase of the message. Just really just want us to just open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and allow him to speak. All right. So now that we have this understanding that that worship starts with our hearts, that the destination and, and purpose of our worship must be God, let's look at three areas in which we worship God as believers. One, we worship God corporately. Let's go back to our scripture in Ephesians 5.19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now I want us to take a look at that first half of that scripture. You know, doesn't this sound a lot like what we do here on Sundays? You know, we gather as the body of Christ— Believing in our hearts what we've been talking about all series, that there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And in unity together, we sing and praise and lift up the name of Jesus corporately. But the whole thing is, I want us to understand how powerful that is. How powerful it is when we praise corporately as the body of Christ. Because as we praise Jesus together, we are in unison hearing hundreds of testimonies about who God is and what he has done in our lives. We are in unison declaring that God is Lord over our lives. We are in unison declaring that Jesus is Lord over this church. And we are in unison magnifying the name of Jesus. And when we praise God corporately as a church, we are operating as we are supposed to. Many different backgrounds, many different opinions and views, many different likes and dislikes and gifts, but all unified around praising what matters most, and that is the name of Jesus. Proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. When we worship corporately, we create an atmosphere of praise that invites the presence of God. His word says that he inhabits the praises of his people. When we praise God, he pours out his presence and in his presence is where miracles take place, where lives are transformed, where wounds are healed, and where chains are broken. And we'll, get, we'll talk more about that here shortly. But there is power in coming together on the weekends and lifting up the name of Jesus. And just like we've discovered, it's not about the music, the band, the pastor. It's about Jesus. And we will touch upon that more in a little bit as well but I want us to look at our next point, and that is we worship through obedience. We worship through obedience. You know, this is one that we might not think about often when we think about worship, but biblically speaking, we have to. You know, I want us to look at an Old Testament story in 1 Samuel 15. Um, We're going to read verses 20 through 22, but I want to give us a little bit of background to set up what is happening in these verses. Saul is the the first king of Israel. You know, during this time in biblical history, God speaks to the people of Israel through prophets. And at the time of King Saul's reign, Samuel is the prophet. And God has just sent King Saul to do battle against the Amalekites. and, And he gave a command to Saul to destroy everything during the battle. And by everything, God meant everything. And he didn't want anything to remain. So King Saul went. He defeated the the Amalekites, but disobeyed God's command. And this is where we pick up as the prophet Samuel confronts King Saul about what he has done. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. So why are we looking at this story when we are talking about worship? The reason being... That Saul thought his sacrifice to the Lord or his worship to the Lord was more important than his obedience to the Lord. You see, this exposed that Saul's heart wasn't right in his sacrifice because it became more about the worship than it did about the one he was worshiping. See, having a heart of worship means having a heart for the one we worship. It means pleasing him above all else. It means that more than God wants our worship, he wants our life. More than he wants my praise, my obedience magnifies him in my life. My obedience demonstrates that he is Lord over my life. So we worship God through our obedience. Three, the next point I want us to talk about is we worship in every season. To be transparent, this point is what God is trying to teach me right now. So no, I'm not just preaching this stuff to you. None of what we have talked about do I have down. But thank goodness we serve a loving God that teaches us and corrects us as we yield to him. And I believe that if we can grasp this point, I believe that we will see breakthrough in our lives and our relationships with God like never before both individually and as a church. You see, our worship can't be contingent upon our circumstances or situations. God is praiseworthy at all times and in every season because he is God, and that alone makes him deserving of our praise. Just as we learned earlier, when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. That when we praise God, he inhabits the praises of his people. So if I'm believing this, I can conclude that no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, when I come before God with a humble heart of praise, he responds. You know, I want us to read a story from Acts about Paul and Silas. We're going to pick it up at Acts 16, verses 22 through 34, and I want to set us up again. Uh, Paul and Silas are being persecuted because they are preaching the gospel. They've just led a slave girl to the Lord, and her masters aren't too happy about it. So they accused Paul and Silas of causing trouble, and this is where we find them. Start verse 22. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. "'Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison "'and fastened their feet in the stocks. "'About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. "'And the prisoners were listening to them, "'and suddenly there was a great earthquake, "'so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. "'And immediately all the doors were opened, "'and everyone's bonds were unfastened. "'When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, "'he drew his sword and was about to kill himself.' supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, "'Do not harm yourself, for we are all here.' And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, "'Sirs, what must I do to be saved?' And they said, "'Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household.' And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once. He and his whole family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before him, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Paul and Silas, beaten, bound, and chained, find themselves in jail, in captivity for leading others to freedom in Christ. I don't know about you. But I might be a little discouraged and disheartened. Can we agree that we wouldn't really call this a mountaintop experience? There was no perfect setting for them to worship. These weren't what we would call ideal circumstances and situations for them to praise. But their hearts, so overflowing with love and adoration for God, simply because he was God, praised him in their chains, battered and bruised. This is something we really need to grasp onto. Praising God in every season, in every trial, in every circumstance. Not allowing our praise and worship of God to be contingent on what he can do for us. To not be attached to whether we see blessings being poured out. To whether we see signs and wonders. To whether it's a beautiful day or the biggest storm we've ever seen. Our praise and our worship should never waver because he is still God. And he is worthy of our praise and worthy of our worship. There are some other things that we can hold on to from Paul and Silas's worship. You see, as they drew near to God, God responded. Again, God inhabits the praises of his people, and when Paul and Silas praised, God's presence fell, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the chains in that jail were loosed, and Paul and Silas were set free. But wait, that's not all the Scripture says. See, if we go back to verse 26, it says that all the doors in the prison were opened. And everyone's bonds were unfastened. You see, guys, that's the power of worshiping corporately. See, the Bible says that where two or more are gathered, there he will be in their midst. That he inhabits the praises of his people. That as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. So when we praise with a loud voice, in unison, with true hearts, fully surrendered, declaring Jesus is Lord... I believe that the Spirit of God will move so mightily to the point that whoever walks through these doors will feel their chains fall, their strength renewed, and their wounds healed, because they have experienced the transforming power of God and the fullness of His presence. Worship is powerful because it is magnifying the one who holds all the power. You know, I also wonder, how many people in your life are watching your response to whatever season you are in. You know, I wonder if the jailer was believing that he had crushed the zeal that Paul and Silas had. You know, I wonder if the jailer thought that all the beatings and the chains and the circumstances of the jail would quiet their praise. But instead of letting that hinder their worship to God, their praise got louder. And look what happened. The jailer saw Christ through this situation and worshiped him too. What if we saw every season of our lives as a chance to praise and glorify God, good or bad? How many people could we be magnifying God to through praising him in our storms? We have to get this. God responds to our worship. Paul and Silas worshiped and chains were broken. But we can see this all throughout scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three brothers, thrown into a fiery furnace for refusing to worship anything but God. And through their worship, God responded, and they didn't get burned. Daniel, thrown into the lion's den because he refused to stop worshiping God. But God shut the mouths of the lion, and he was set free. The enemy wants to quiet our praise and kill our worship of God. But we need to get louder. See, the enemy tried to quiet Paul and Silas' praise, but they got louder. He tried to quiet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's praise, but they got louder. He tried to quiet Daniel's praise, but he got louder. And the enemy is trying to quiet our praise, but we're going to get louder. What circumstance is he trying to use in your life to silence your praise to God? And whatever that circumstance is, let your praise get louder in it. See, in all seasons, in all circumstances, we need to worship God. But here's what we need to understand, too. When we praise God, we might not see something change in our physical situation. But I'm telling you that it always changes something in the spiritual. Our praise elevates God above the trial. Our praise elevates God above the situation and it tells Satan, I am not defeated because the one I praise is above all. The one I praise holds my victory because of what he did on the cross. And no matter what happens in my physical situation, even unto death, my worship of Jesus will not go silent because I am victorious, because Jesus is alive and is sitting on the throne. These trials and this season and his lies do not hold my end result. Jesus does, and I will worship him in this life and into eternity, because in him I have everlasting life. These are the things that we need to be telling Satan in whatever situation that we find ourselves in. Our praise getting louder. So when we praise him, we magnify him and we, we magnify him, we see our hope a little bigger too. We see that our situation in this life is nothing compared to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. If my hope is only as big as my circumstance, then my circumstance will choke out my hope. But if I look to the one who is greater than my circumstance and see him as the big God that he is and praise him through it, then my hope becomes bigger And my situation becomes smaller. So, at the beginning of our time together, we discovered that this is where worship starts. And as we conclude, I want to ask one final question Is God the desire of this? Is God the desire of your heart? Is His glory our greatest desire? You know, just like the theme of our entire year uh, with what Pastor Jason said, that seeking first the kingdom of God. And, And as a church, we've been trying to ask ourselves the question, is God first in our lives? Is he our greatest desire? Because if we want to worship God in the truest form possible, our lives have to be all about him. Our worship has to be more than Sunday service. You see, the more we know about God, the more we appreciate him. The more we appreciate him, the deeper our worship. The deeper our worship, the more God is glorified. How hungry are we for God? How much do we want to know him? Because if we are going to get to a deeper place of worship, we need to get to a deeper place of seeking him and knowing him. And so I wanted to encourage all of us to come to the revival at the end of this month as we seek to do just that, to go deeper in our discovery of him. And right now, I want to ask the band to come out. And as I do so, I want to ask one last thing. Can we all stand to our feet? Are you done just going through the motions with God? Do you truly want to worship him? Not just give lip service, but truly worship God with your whole heart. If so, I want to challenge you during this song to just let your heart pour out praise to God. Sing and praise him with your heart. If he has spoken something to your heart this morning that you need to get right with him, Do it during this song. And if you want healing, if you want direction, in whatever season you are in, magnify Jesus. Let your praise get louder this morning. Let your worship ring out louder this morning. And with everything we have, we need to lift up the name of Jesus. And so I do, I want us to ask ourselves, is my praise getting louder? Is it coming from a place of just wanting to just magnify the name of Jesus? Is it coming from a place just to want to glorify him, to want to lavish him and clothe him with the praise that he deserves? Or am I just coming here and and just singing empty words, just going through the motions, going through religion because this is what we do? Because see, this has to be full of God. This has to go, everything that comes out of this has to be about that one thing. What are your circumstances like this morning? What are your situations like this morning? Is the enemy trying to quiet your praise? Is he trying to defeat you wherever you are? Is he trying to lie to you saying that there's no hope in your situation? Is he trying to, to lie to you just saying that this situation's never going to get better? Let your praise get louder there. You know, maybe your heart's been far from God this morning. Maybe your your worship hasn't, you know your worship hasn't been pleasing him. You know that you know what? I've been praising God with my lips but my heart's been far from him. Put your heart back right with God this morning. During this song, put your heart back right. Let it come out of your heart. So I want us to sing as the church. I want us as the body of believers of Salem Fields Community Church for our praise to get louder, for us to magnify God to this world, to this community that is so desperate, that is so hurt, that is longing to see God trying to put their God in other things. When there's only one true God, there's only one thing that can satisfy them. So let's let our praise get louder. Let's create an atmosphere of worship, and literally as we sing this song, let's give it everything that we have by giving everything to God. Let's praise in this morning.